the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God has a covenant with every one of us here that those of us who honor and love and worship and obey and and humble ourselves before His Son, God has a covenant with us. He's going to wash all our sins away and one day take us to heaven where we will live forever and ever. So we worship God because of who He is, but we also worship God for what He's done for us. Welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weekday at this time to share the good news of Jesus and to lift up His name to this city. No matter if you are listening right now from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that today's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to everyone. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message. One of the most exhilarating aspects of being a Christian is just the thought, just the thought that God allows us to start over again. And I've never, I've never been able to figure it out. I've been preaching a long time, but I've never been able to figure out why people don't come forward and let God put their life back together and let God let them start all over again. I mean, why wouldn't you? If God said, hey, I want to wash all your sins away, I want, I want to make sure you're in heaven, I'll, I'll guarantee, I'll, I'll give you assurance that you'll be in heaven, all you've got to do is come and surrender to Jesus Christ, and I, I've never been able to figure out why people would not come. It seems to me that you would run down the front if God said, I'm going to let you start all over again. Why wouldn't you? If you ever do come, you know, that's why I think, uh, you know, once, once you, you have this new birth in your life and God, God saves you, you, it just makes you want to sing. It makes you want to dance. It makes you want to shout. It makes you want to sing. It makes you want to worship. Why? Because you were once lost and now you're found. You were once blind, but now you can see. You were once a sinner and now you're saved. And so we have this year called the year of jubilation. It's the year of, of worship and, and, and being excited and being happy and, and thankful and singing. That is a natural response. That is a natural emotion if God has pushed the reset button in your life and allowed you to start all over again. Your heart should just be full of praise and worship. It should be a natural emotion. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 95. If you don't have a Bible, look underneath the chair. Psalm 95. There's a Bible. Grab a Bible. Psalm 95. In our outline, we have to answer a couple of questions. The first question is, what is worship? What is worship? Three things. Number one, it's exclusive honor. Exclusive honor. It means that you are honoring God exclusively. Number two, worship is joyful surrender. The word joyful speaks of our 
worship, our praise, our song. Joy is a snapshot of a person's heart. Surrender is when you take that heart full of joy and you lay it down at the altar and you surrender. You hand it over to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. This surrender to God, this worship is to be joyful. We're we're happy to do it. And the third thing, worship, worship is unhindered obedience. It is more than a song. It is more than sacrifice. The way to honor God is through our obedience. Would God rather hear me say the words, I love you one million times, or simply see me do what he asked me to do? Which would he rather have? He'd rather me do what he asked. Do not make the mistake to think if I come to church and sing three or four songs and if I sing really good and I sing really loud and I sing with a lot of emotion that somehow that is worship. If you're not living in obedience, then that is unacceptable worship. So why do we worship? Simply two answers. Number one, We worship because of who he is. We worship him because who he is. Number two, we we worship him because of what he's done, what he's done and what he's doing in our life. God provides each and every day. He protects. He, He watches over you. He's personal. God is not a million, jillion miles away. He's right here, right now. He's right here. He's here in your heart through the Holy Spirit. God God pursues you. He he promises you. The Bible is full of promises. It's not, there aren't a hundred promises in the Bible or 200 or 300. There's two or 3,000 promises in the Word of God. God purifies us and He perfects us and one day He's going to take us to heaven. And all of that, all of that is done through His one and only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can write that down. All of that takes place through Jesus, okay? God is a covenant God. All through the Bible, He's a covenant God. God made a covenant with Abraham that his son would outnumber the stars, his children would outnumber the stars of the sky. Even though he was an old guy and didn't have any children, God made a covenant with him. God kept his end of the deal. Then God made a covenant with Israel that he would would lead them into the promised land, and God kept his end of the deal. He led them into the promised land. And God has a covenant with every one of us here that those of us who honor and love and worship and obey and, and humble ourselves before his son, and we, we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Savior, God has a covenant with us that he's going to take us one, he's going to wash all our sins away and one day take us to heaven where we will live forever and ever and ever. So we worship God because of who he is, but we also worship God for, who he, for what he's done for us. Now I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 95, okay? So I'm not, now we're going to look at the scriptures. Now, the reason I want you to read your Bible is because a lot of people are confused on what it actually says. Here's what some of you think it says. Some people think verse 1 reads as follows, Come, let us tell the preacher what we didn't like about the service today. <laughs> I had a service once, and that afternoon I got back to my office. I had an email. I'm not making this up. It had 20 things that the guy didn't like about the service. I laughed all afternoon. (laughs) He missed the point. Some of you think verse 2 reads, Come, let us write down on the little card and turn in all the things that we did not like about the song service today. 
It was too long, it was too short, it was too loud, it was too soft, it was too old, it was too hip, it was too modern, it was too dry, it was too stale, it was too something. Some people think verse 6 says, come, let's see who it is that's going to offend me today. Come, let us analyze the sermon. Let us scrutinize the soloist. Let us criticize the choir. Let us slander the servers. Let us critique the message. No, 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 none of that is in Psalm 95. Psalm 95 verse 1 reads as follows. The first word is come. And yes, there's some things we're supposed to do when we gather. The first one is to, to sing for joy. Say those three words. Sing for joy. This is that, that, that joyful surrender. Now, I've got to tell you, it's hard to sing a song and be sad. If you're at the mall and you see someone walking through the, uh, the mall and they're singing, it's not a sad song. No one. If you're at the coffee shop and you hear some guy humming a song, it's not because he's sad. He, he, he's happy. And you come to church, we ought to be singing songs of joy, and we sing these songs to the Lord. And then it says, let us shout aloud. It says, let us shout aloud. And I'm going to let you on a little secret. If you're smart, you've picked up on it. If you're a little slow, you didn't pick up on it. For 25 years. I walk out here on this stage, and every time for 25 years, every single service, I've requested that the song be loud and uplifting and a lot of people clapping and a lot of of noise, not a slow, slow song. Because I've been in churches where I'm a guest speaker, and uh, they sing about a 10-minute real slow, slow, slow song, and they go, all right, preacher's going to come out, and I come out, and everybody's half asleep. And so for 25 years, you didn't know this. Those of you smart notice, the rest of you, you're a little slow. Uh, For 25 years, every song before I come out is the loudest, most upbeat song because when I get out here, I want this place to be like we're celebrating. Now, I, I could understand... I could understand if Jesus were still inside the tomb and the stone is still there and, all, and we all still are, have our sins and none of us are going to heaven, I could understand we probably ought to sing a couple of really slow songs. But the truth is that the tomb rolled away, the stone rolled away, Jesus came to life, he came out of that grave, all of our sins are forgiven, we all get to go to heaven, when we sing, we ought to be celebrating what God has done in our lives. Verse 2 says, let us come before him, oh no, no, go back to verse 1, go back to verse 1, verse 1, let us shout aloud to the rock of our what? See, you ought to be excited the fact that you're saved. That's nothing to be quiet about. Verse 2, let us come before him with thanksgiving. There should be an attitude of gratitude and exalt him, extol him with music and song. There's always people say, why do we have to sing these these songs? And usually it's men. A woman has never asked me that question. It's always some man. Why do we have to sing these songs? 
Because it's in the Bible, it's a commandment that when you come together, there ought to be an attitude of gratitude that you get to go to heaven, you, you, you man you, and, uh, <laughs> and that we're supposed to exalt him in music and in song. Verse 3, for the Lord, here's why, here's the why. For the Lord is the great God. He's the great king above, he's above all gods. He's above, he's above the God of coffee. He's above the God of the NFL. He's above the God of chocolate. He's above the God of athletics. He's above the God of shopping. He's above the God of pleasure. He's above the God of Facebook. He's the God above all gods. And verse 4, in his hand, I don't know what's in your hand. What do you got in your hand? Oh, a pen. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I see that pen. Good. That's pretty good. His hand are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. The Bible says his hand, his hand, God's hand. You got a pencil. His hands formed the dry land. He's the creator of the universe. Verse 6 says, come, let us bow down. We'll talk about that next week. We're going to look at the different ways to worship. But it says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel, kneel before the Lord, uh, the Lord, our maker, our creator, you see, when you kneel down, you're surrendering. It's, it's that joyful surrender. And you're, 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 you get on that knee and you're saying, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm surrendering to you. And, and I just want to ask, when was the last time in your life that you were just thinking about God and you just fell to your knees because you, you couldn't help think about how great he was and, and you literally, I mean, I mean, sometimes in church I'll say, let's all go to our knees and you'll go, you'll, yeah, yeah, I'll say, let's all go to our knees and pray, you'll do it. But when was the last time you were just thinking about God or singing about God and you just fell to your knees and just, just, you just, you couldn't, you couldn't stand because of how great. When was the last time that took place? Verse 7 says, for he is our God and we are the people of his what? The flock. Everybody say the flock. We're the flock under his care. You know, this is called the Shepherd of the Hills Church. And so you really are a flock. And I'm the pastor of this church here, and I get called, Dudley's the pastor, the, the, lead, the lead shepherd, but I, I'm really not. There's really only one shepherd, and that's God, and all of us are in his care. Now, I want you to go over to the book of Exodus real quick, Exodus chapter 30. It's the second book in the Bible. I'm not really a formal guy, but I want to show you something that's in the Bible that appears to be formal. It's really not. But the Bible talks about incense. You know what incense is? We think of incense as one of those little incense sticks. It looks like a thing that used to be called a punk that you light firecrackers with. Now, if you're not from the Midwest, you don't know what a punk is. Uh, but uh, uh, you think a punk is the kid down the street. A punk is this little thing, it looks like an incense stick, uh, and used to light firecrackers with it. Because in, in the Midwest, that's all we did. We grew up lighting firecrackers. That's a lot of people in the Midwest are missing a finger here and there, okay? But that, that's what we did. You could go on about any street corner and buy them and light them, okay? We did that. And a lot of other crazy things. But the, uh, we think of an incense stick as this little stick that looks like a punk that someone lights, and it has that little aroma. When I talk about incense in the Bible, that's not what this is. I, I want you to look at verse 34. 
It says, then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum, risen, anica, galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts. These are ingredients. And what what is God making? What does God want, want us to make? Verse 35, you're going to make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. This is, this is perfume. The rest of verse 35 are the rest of the ingredients. He says, don't forget to add a little bit of salt and make sure it's pure. And oh, 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 make sure it's sacred. This is holy stuff. All right, holy, all right, holy. And, and there's all kinds of things in the Bible, as we've prepared to close, that are holy. The Sabbath is holy. The year of Jubilee is to be holy. The tithe, according to the Bible, is holy. It means it doesn't belong to you. The Bible is holy. The words of God are holy. In this text, this perfume is holy. Last night, while I was preaching, this little thing just popped into my brain, and I just thought, what if we invented perfume, and we called it, we had a real cool bottle, and we called it God's perfume. We could sell it, we'd make millions, and we could, we could build the new building. I'm telling you, if you had a choice between buying Kim Kardashian's perfume or God's perfume, You're going, I want Kim's or God's. Huh, I think I want God's. We'd sell a gazillion bottles of that stuff. But I'm going to show you later on why we could never, ever do that. Now look at verse 36. Don't miss this. Grind some of it it into powder. Grind it up into powder. And you, you put that perfume right underneath your chin. So everywhere you go, hey, that's God's perfume. I know. (laughs) No, that's not what it says. It says grind some of the powder, and you place that out in front of the testimony in the tent of meeting, which is the tabernacle, the place where the people went to worship God. And then God says these words. Don't miss this. You put that sweet-smelling stuff out there, and God says, I will meet you there. And it it shall be not holy. It shall be what? Evidently, there's different kinds of holy. There's holy and there's most holy. This is most holy. I want to ask how many of you ladies right now, you have perfume on? You have it on right now. You have it on. Last night, someone said, right over here, they said they were wearing Tommy's. And I said, like Tommy's burger? And I'm thinking, that's a pretty good idea, too. (laughs) You ladies got this all backwards. Instead of this sweet-smelling stuff, put on a fragrance that smells like a Tommy burger. (laughs) Put that all over. Guys would line up around the block to talk to you. (laughs) Verse 37. Do not make make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Do not make any incense of this formula for yourselves. Here it is for like the third time. This stuff belongs to God. And verse 38, 
Whoever makes anything like this, you make anything like this. For the purposes of enjoying its fragrance, because you just want to smell it. Yeah, I just want to smell this stuff. Oh, yeah, this stuff smells good. God says, if you do that, you'll be cut off. And the word cut off does not mean like in kindergarten, oh, you're a bad boy, you got to go sit in a corner over there. You stay over there for 10 minutes, and we're going to cut you off in the rest of the class. No, here, this verse, to be cut off means this, that you lose your life. Because this stuff was most holy. Now, here's the deal, here's the deal. This stuff was to be made and placed where the people meet. Can you imagine... It's just like across the street. We have Starbucks, and every once in a while, the smell comes over here. There's a Japanese restaurant called, uh, uh, what's it called? Musashi's. There's In-N-Out Burger over there. And every once in a while, it's just an aroma that comes across the church. And, I, and all day, the staff, I see them. They're just walking over there like this. <laughs> walking over there all day long. Because the aroma. You could blindfold them. They'd get there. Now, the exact same thing with this stuff. This is where the place where they meet. He says, make this stuff, grind it up, put it in the place where they meet. So imagine whatever you're doing, when you smelled that, because what was going to happen? God said, place it there and I will meet you there. So whenever the people smelled this aroma, they knew, hey, God is about to meet with us. They dropped whatever they were doing, and they would go to the place of worship, and together, that fragrance drew them there to the presence of God. And through the whole Bible, that's what incense is. Incense are the prayers and the praise and the worship of God's people. And the point is this, or you've missed it all, that praise, our worship, It belongs to God and God alone. If we take that praise and we use it for ourselves, or we give it to this person or we worship this or we worship that, we're taking that which is holy, that which is sacred, that which belongs to God, and we're taking it and God says, if you do that, that is a grave sin. Our ability to worship, our ability to sing, our ability to make worship, our ability to praise belongs to God and God alone. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. 
We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.